Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. It's good to be here. It is. You guys look good. <laughs> Almost as good as me, but not quite. And you have a beautiful facility here. Um, Pastor and Miss Kim, thank you all for letting us be here and all the staff and everyone. It is always good to be in the house of the Lord. Hey, I'm, I'm old school Kojic. I was glad when they said... Let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. So go ahead and introduce us. Okay, so we are Alex and Angela Bryant. We have um, been married 25 years and grew up together. Thank you. We, we, uh, were, we weren't really childhood sweethearts. We were more like frenemies back then. Yeah. But we, Wait, <laughs> that I'm still kind of happens look, sometimes. I'm blocking you from this whole side yeah. over here. It's like the eclipse. See, look yeah. at this. You can't see her over here, can you? Now you Stay up there, babies. <laughs> This guy, oh my goodness, I can't, I can dress him up, but I can't take him anywhere. So um, anyway, we have um, known each other forever, actually knew of each other when we were little kids, grew up in a community um, that didn't have much diversity, and, uh, but we met through church and just became friends, and uh, God just drew us together you know, early on, and it was hard because, you know, there just wasn't a lot of interracial you know, dating back then. Not that there's a whole lot more now. But, I think there is. But you wanted me. Let's be oh, real. My goodness. You wanted me. She did. She chased me for a while. That's true, oh. Pastor. She chased me. That's true. I, well, well, Facts. forget it. Facts. I did not chase him, but we ended up together. You know what? Facts. Don't even make me go there. I'm just saying. So anyway, it's been fun. We have a lot of fun. And one of the things about us is we're just us. You know, it wasn't like, oh, you know, I want to be with a white person. Oh, I want to be with a black person. God just drew our hearts together. And so we just started dating. He keeps pushing me forward because I keep going back. And uh, it, it was awkward, right? And um, so a lot of people asked us questions. And we were, we were kind of oblivious, you know. We were born in the early 70s. And so the whole civil rights movement thing was kind of behind us. And, you know, we grew up children of the 80s. And, you know, um, so we were a little bit unaware, maybe, of the challenges. But um, it's been an interesting journey. And God has laid it on our heart to just share kind of what we have learned in our experiences. And it seems like having a white person and a black person coming together makes it a little bit easier for people to, to put it all together, yeah. you know, to see us talking about it. It's like, oh, okay, we can talk about these things, and it's okay. Yeah. So we hope that that is what we can do here today. Um, I, Let me just say this, okay. you know. Um, what thrust us into doing what we're doing now, we've just been in ministry for a while, for a number of years, and just spreading the gospel. It's all about the gospel of Jesus. I mean, we need to get people saved, and then we need to start teaching them what the Bible says. Yeah. If we did that, I don't even think we'd have these race issues, right? right? I mean, but that's, that's what it's all about. And so we were doing that in, in a couple of different contexts. We've, we've been in Fort Myers, Florida. We were in Springfield, Missouri. We went to St. Louis, Missouri, where we were running the St. Louis Dream Center. We worked for Joyce Meyer Ministry. We ran that inner city outreach. And that's when, this is back in 2014, 15, 16, when we were right in the heart of really at the time the biggest race incident of our um, generation, Ferguson and Mike Brown. I was pastoring about um, four and a half miles from there when that incident went down and had to learn to deal with it. And I was on the streets trying to keep the peace between the people and the police and, and trying to calm tensions and calm fears. And God began to really speak to us even then. And so that's when it started to open our eyes, really when I'm on the inner city talking to people, trying to say, let's bring it down, let's, let's calm down, let's come together. And then I go back home, and our oldest son at the time was in eighth grade, and he asked me the question, 
Dad, do I have to worry about being shot by the police? That brings it home. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of thrust us into what we're doing now. We're going to tell you a little bit more about it. We made a video, end up going viral, and um, you'll, you, we're going to show you that in a second. But before we do that, you know, we just wanted to kind of tell you about some of the tools and the resources that we had. We've been on a journey now for about the last five and a half years trying to um, really figure out what the Lord wants us to say. We feel like he thrust us into this ministry and we made this video, and, and after that, we're like, okay, Lord, what do you want us to say? What more, what message do you have? And we feel like he told us to turn it into a book, and it's called Let's Start Again. And um, that's, you know, the, the, it's up here, Biracial Couples View on Race, Racial Ignorance, and Racial Insensitivity. We feel like we need to, to redefine some of these terms because not everything is racist. Right. Racism truly does exist. We see it. We see it individually. We primarily see it in our systems. But racism truly does exist. But not everything is racist. If we're labeling everything as being racist, that shuts down conversation. If I think you're racist, honestly, hey, I hope you make it to heaven somehow, but I don't have anything to do with you. That's just kind of how it is right now. It's likened to being called a pedophile. You label somebody a pedophile, hey, Brother, I don't want you on my block. Don't want you to live near my kids. It shuts down conversations. So we're saying not everything is racist. Some things are racially insensitive. Some things are racially insensitive. And some things are racially ignorant because that gives us room to then continue dialogue. And so that's a book that we have. We also do a podcast. It's called The Way We See It. And I'm just trying to give you some resources that's going to help you. You're sitting there going right now, why do I even need to get this book? Why do I need to you know, check out your podcast? Well, Hopefully by the end of today, you're going to kind of realize and know. Um, we're not here to try to just indoctrinate you. We're not here to try to, you know, get you to pick a side. It's heightened right now. I mean, things are, things are, eh, right? I mean, we're like, ah! Say, like, for example, I figured I can do this if I just came up here right now and told you who I vote for. Half of you would be like, yeah, and the other half would be like, oh, man, I'm done with you, right? I mean, that's how crazy it is right now, isn't it? I mean, come on, let's be real, people. I'm a black preacher. You got to give a brother some feedback. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dang, Gina, can I get a little something up in here? But, you know, we feel like God gave us a message and we want to share that message. And, you know, here, I'll let you kind of, you know, give this deal. Like, this is, this is our message that we have. It's, you read that, babe. The teacher says, it's not a black versus a white thing. It's a darkness versus light thing. 1 John 2.9 says, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister still lives in darkness. You know, and I think most of us would not say, they would never say, oh, I hate anybody of a different race. I mean, you guys wouldn't be sitting here if you had that view, I don't think. But the thing is, we have a lot of subconscious things going on just from the way that we were brought up, the way our country's history is, that we're not even aware of. And I want to share just a brief little story about my experience because um, I think most of us can relate to it. So, um, you know, I told we've been married 25 years. So that was, what, 1995 when we got married. And I was 23. And I remember finding out that Alex's extended family from a very segregated part of Florida was not very happy that he was going to marry a white person. I was shocked. I had absolutely no clue that black people might have that opinion that they would rather that somebody in their family not marry somebody from a white person. My, mom, my, my family said, if she can't use your comb, don't bring her home. That was, like, like, that was the mindset. That's how it was. However, I was fully aware that my white family, and even the people at our church that had seen us come up together in youth group and knew Alex as a 
God, man that loved God, that was going to Bible college, you know, he was an upstanding citizen. I understood they had a problem with it. They did have a problem with it. I was shocked that they did on the one hand because they had taught me to, to love everybody, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. But when it comes to us getting married, that was a different ballgame. And so I was like, I really thought that his black family would have thought it was kind of a step up for him to marry a white person. I hate to say that. I'm so embarrassed that that was what I thought. But I do say it because I want to challenge all of you to examine your heart and, and let God reveal to you those things that cause you to not be able to see the other people's perspective when it comes to this race issue. I want to read real quick. I'm sorry, I'm taking too long. But I want to read Psalm 139. My phone's not cooperating. I talked too long, and so I've lost the... Uh, I got to log back into my phone or, you know, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 4. It's from the Amplified Version. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I'm sure that you guys living here in this city right now have a lot of anxious thoughts. And see if there is any wicked, and this is why I like the Amplified. It says, any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So thanks so, for listening. So the Lord is telling us this is not a black versus white thing. It's not a dark versus, it's not a us versus police. It's a dark versus light. And we as Christians know it's a hard issue. And so I want to talk with you today about the heart. And before we do that, we want to show you this video. I want to start again. I'll start by answering the question that everyone wants to know, are all those kids ours? We rented them for the video, so. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. So we're not quitters. We had to keep going until we had the little girl. So we have, <laughs> amen. Four boys and a little princess. And I'm going to tell you right now, the rules have changed. I mean, you get a little girl and it changes everything. I tell the boys, you guys are a dime a dozen, but a brother's got one princess. Now be quiet and leave her alone. That's just the way it is. In our family, that's how we roll. But, um, but realistically, and I just want to, there's a few things I want to share with you in our, in our limited time. It, it's always amazing. We go to these churches, we speak all over the country and you know, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to use some humor. If you get offended easily, you're probably going to be offended. Okay. I'm going to use some humor. We talk about race. We joke about race. Here comes the first one. All right. You give a black preacher a microphone at a white church, expect to go late. You know what I'm saying? So that's just, no, I'm just teasing on that. I, I respect the time. I know we got another service, but I really could introduce myself in like 25 minutes, but that's all he gives me. But anyway, I digress. But the Lord tells us, or, or you know, this video, and, and I'll give you this. This is how this came about. I mean, you know, we saw the police officers after we left Ferguson. And we were a part of that and trying to keep peace there. We moved to Kansas City. We're pastoring at a church there. And in July of 2016, five police officers were shot in Dallas. And that just hurt my heart. I, I'm, I, I love police officers. They, I have a lot of police officers in my family, both past and current. I have two cousins that are black police officers in Illinois right now. I got a white brother-in-law who's a police officer in Missouri. And um, I've had uncles that were police officers in Florida and Illinois and cousins and, and brother-in-laws. And so we love police officers. 
And so when those five police officers were shot in Dallas, it just hurt my heart. And that was on a Thursday night. And so Friday morning, I was just praying and I took my son, my oldest son to physical therapy. And while I was there, God just began to speak to me and just, and it started to melt my heart. And I got home and I told Angela, I was like, the Lord's talking to me. I just need to go write some things down. And so I go downstairs and start writing. She's like, do it. I'll keep the kids out of your hair. And so that's not hard to do. But so, um, and so the Lord just kind of downloaded those statements to me in 10 minutes. And, and I say this, Pastor Neil, I mean, I've preached a lot of sermons. Some of them, I mean, hey, they weren't very good because Angie tells me so, you know. And some of them, I feel like if Jesus was in the room, he would be taking notes. You know what I'm saying? It's like that good. But, but I can't take any credit for this. The Lord just downloaded it to me. And, um, and we came out, we made this video and, and like overnight it just went, it just took off like a million views in the first 24 hours. And after a few months, it went to like 35 million views and it just sat there. And then this last year, um, because of the events after George Floyd, it just took off again. And it went to about 49 million views on Facebook and people are contacting us from all over the world. And, and we were getting emails all the time. We got about 10, 12,000 of them and the Lord told us answer every single one of them. And so we did, we took our time and answered them and we just started to hear what was going on and start to listen to people. And it started to change our hearts and our minds on the way that this multiracial couple started to think about race. I mean, my, over the last few years, my, my mind has started to change to some of these things. The way I grew up wasn't necessarily the right way all the time. I'm not saying I'm throwing it all out. The way the Angie grew up wasn't. And so our hearts and our minds started to change. And the Lord, the message is clear. And he's saying it's not black versus white. I sometimes think, you know, what are other cultures thinking that? It's kind of like the parents are fighting. And the kids are in the back going, oh, just leave us out. That's like what the Latino people or the, the Asian people are feeling like. Hey, when you guys get done fighting, you know, we're, just leave me alone. You know what I mean? So, you know, but, but it's like it's not a black versus white thing. It's not a us versus the police thing. People don't understand this. And a lot of people will not get our message because they can't see through the eyes of Christ. We know, and the reason why this message resonated with those 49 million people because they understand it's a dark versus light thing. Here's the scripture that I wanna share with you. First John chapter one, verses five through seven. This is the message that we've heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. Verse six, if we claim to have fellowship with, one, with um, him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. I'm gonna say that again. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we're liars. We don't live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin and it causes us to have fellowship with one another. Here's the deal. People are missing this. People are confused about this. I expect non-Christians to not understand this. This message isn't for them. He's talking right here to believers, the ones that have walked in the light, the ones that have seen the light, the ones who've experienced the light. They were followers of Christ. They would have been known as followers of the way. We're talking to us now, us Christians, us believers now. We know and understand what it means to live in the light. Why are we living like we don't? 
Why are we getting so worked up and so frustrated and we're, we're falling for the lie of the enemy to choose a side, to pick a side? And, and we don't even have fellowship with each other anymore. All we do is we go and we, we cyber stalk them. We see what they post on Facebook. And if we don't like it, then we might make a little, a little, um, a little snippety comment and then we'll unfriend them. <laughs> Who's winning with that? The devil is. He's over there going, <laughs> I just jacked another one of them Christians. He's talking to Christians here. This passage is talking to us, to us believers. We know that God is light. We have to be the ones that live like that. And see, here's the thing that this passage is important because it also reminds us of our mission. Our mission, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, 19, is to go and spread the gospel to all people of all nations, teaching them everything that he taught us in this word. We're supposed to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them everything that's in here. But if we're so busy fighting with each other, being frustrated with each other, arguing with each other, giving little snipe comments on Facebook back to each other, leaving each other's fellowship, not wanting to have anything to do, unfriending each other, leaving churches because somebody might have said something or or implied racism, somebody voted for the wrong person, someone was racially insensitive. If we Christians are doing that, who's winning? The devil is trying to get us off of our mission. We're told to go and make disciples of all nations. This wasn't a new mission and wasn't a new plan that God gave. He gave this plan to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 when he told them that he'd he'd be a blessing to all nations. God said, hey, I'm going to bless you so that you can bless all the other nations. What was that blessing for? Was it just for more things, for more status, for more land? It was the blessing, the promise of salvation. God said, I'm making a covenant with you, Abraham, and I'm going to bless you to get, I'm going to give you all the things that you need to spread this gospel, to give my message. And I'm just going to stop here. Cedar Valley, I hope that you guys realize and see how blessed you are. You guys have all the things you need to spread the gospel message, the blessing of the message. You guys have beautiful facilities. You have a wonderful leader, great staff. We've been able to meet a lot of you all. Worship team, like, wow. That's good stuff. If you can't get excited about coming here and praising and worshiping the Lord to that, I don't know what's up. You guys have what you need. You have each other, your family. You have the Bible that's being preached. We're gonna, you're praying. We're going to do a prayer meeting. I just want, let me just stop right now. Uh, we're going to have a prayer service tonight. We need to stop and pray for your city. I've been doing it all week. Um, I was talking to Pastor Neil um, this week, and we were like, hey, can we do something like this? And so um, I think, are they going to get a formal invite? Do they know about the prayer service tonight? All right, well, we're, I'm inviting, sorry, man. Hey, you know, I'm inviting you. We're going to come tonight and, um, and pray at 630 and pray for our hearts, our minds, our city, our nation. I want you to join us. Um, we're going to come and pray. And so um, that's kind of how it's going to go down. But we have what we need. Cedar Valley, you all have what you need. Man, God is working. He's moving. There's craziness going on, but it's not an accident that you're here, that you're positioned. It's not an accident that, and we, we, Pastor Neil and I were talking about how crazy is it? Like if we weren't Christians, we'd say, what a coincidence that this is happening at the same time. But we are Christians. We're believers. We know that God's up to something and we're, we're excited to be a part of it. Amen. But so we know what our mission is. It's to go just like, like Abraham was called to go and spread the message of salvation. God had a plan to redeem all people unto himself, to reconcile all men and women unto himself. He had this plan from the beginning of time. It's called Missio Dei. 
God's redemptive plan to restore and to reconcile all people unto himself. Church, do you realize that we are called to be a part of that plan? I mean, we are supposed to continue what Abraham started. We have to pick up our, our end of the relay race and run it and go and spread the gospel. We cannot get distracted by all the junk that's going on. Now, I'm a, we need to talk about it. There's some stuff we need to talk about. Angie and I have been married for 26 years or 25 years, just like even that. She hates it when I say 26 years. I round up, okay? I'm like already giving us the 26, but she's like, it's 25 years, four months, and three days. Get it right, you know? So that's true, baby. That's like, <laughs> it's Kim like that too fast? <laughs> so, but we've been married for 25 years, four months, you know? So, but there's, and, and, and I love her. I mean, she's my girl. I've known her since second grade, and I'm true. It's real. She did chase me. She wanted me. I'm telling you the truth. You know what I'm saying? It's that's that's facts. I can give you the story, but we don't have time. But so, but and, and we love each other. We got five kids, and and we love them. I mean, it's nice to be away from them knuckleheads sometimes. You know what a brother said? But so, and I love her. But sometimes there's stuff that we just man. We some she gets on my nerves sometimes. I mean, there's been twice in our marriage that I've gotten on her nerves, but she gets on my nerves, you know. <laughs> I wasn't laughing, that was serious. But, so, but we have stuff, we're in love, that's my girl. I wanna spend time with her. But there's things that we need to talk about sometimes. There's, we don't always see eye to eye. And you know, if we get to the point to where in our, in our relationship, where we're just kind of being snippety with each other, where we're just texting each other things, where we're just kind of like giving veiled messages through the kids. Go tell your mom. I said, you know, that, you know if, we're, if we're just kind of like always being sarcastic or cutting towards each other, communication is starting to die. And when communication goes, what's next? The love, the unity, the relationship. And that's kind of where we're at right now. See, the devil knows that God has sent us on a mission to spread the gospel to all people. Missio Dei, the devil knows this and he doesn't like it. He knows that we are supposed to spread the gospel to all people, just like Abraham was supposed to give the message to all people, Jews, Gentiles, everyone. That message is eventually meant to go out to everyone. The devil knows that our message is supposed to be the same, but he's working to try to fight to stop us from doing that. He doesn't like the message, and so he's trying to stop it. And right now that message is racism. Hey, that baby's not bothering me at all. I got a lot of them, you know what I'm saying, girl? <laughs> I got a lot of them, man. I feel at home. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but the deal is the devil doesn't like that. He tries to stop us. We cannot fall for those traps. We, the church, have to rise above that. And think about it. It's nothing new. He did this. He tried this all throughout biblical times. See, like racism is nothing new. You remember in John chapter 4, the, 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 um, the parable of the Samaritan woman, the story with the Samaritan woman? What was that all about? I mean, you've, you've probably heard that message. I preached it many different ways. A lady, Jesus has this encounter with this woman at the well. You know, she had all these other women, you know, husbands. And, you know, you could preach it about, you know, whatever you want to preach it out. But really, the bottom line is, that's a story of racism. Because the Jews were racist against the Samaritan people. And they didn't want to pass the blessing of the gospel along to them. And they had been this way for hundreds of years, or at least 100 years we know of. So back what happened, just the backstory of it, you know, in about 700 um, BC before Jesus, when the Assyrians and the Babylonians came in and conquered Israel, they ended up intermarrying and intermixing with the, um, some of the Jewish people, the remnant that was left there, and they became half-breeds, the Samaritans were. 
So when the Jews came back and they resettled, they thought that the Samaritans had basically sold them out. They didn't think they were still a part of the, the, the blessing of salvation anymore because they had intermarried. They're little mixed kids. So the Jews, and, and there became hostility towards them. The Jews were prejudiced towards the Samaritan people. They didn't even want to spread the gospel to them. So if a Jew was going from northern Israel down to southern Israel, they literally would walk east to go around Samaria and then south and then back west so they can go and worship at the temple. They did not want to go through Samaria because of racism. And so when Jesus has his encounter with the lady at the well, was it for her? Yes. But it was also for for everyone to see and know that the gospel was now coming to a whole nation of people that hadn't even heard the gospel for decades, if not hundreds of years, the Samaritans. I mean, the devil thinks that he's sly, thinks that he's slick, and he gets in there and he weaves things in there. The church, we have to be, we have to be more alert than that. We have to be more wise than that. We got to say no. You know, you think about this and, and you go into the New Testament. Peter, when he has his, his vision in Acts chapter 10, it's again the devil was trying to use the racism or the sin of racism to stop the spread of the gospel. Peter didn't, he didn't think that the gospel was for unclean Gentiles. Remember this? He's like, no, the gospel is just for, for, you know, us clean, you know, us Jewish people. That's, that's what he thought. And, and really, um, he, he had a vision that showed him otherwise in verse 15. This is when he had a voice that spoke to him that said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. The gospel's for all people. God is doing what he's doing is what, what Peter was told there. And this is for us too. Don't dislike anyone so much that you're not willing to share the gospel with them. Don't be so frustrated with people that you're not willing to have fellowship with them. Christian people, if we know that God is in the light, as God is light, and there's no darkness in him at all, we can't be the ones that are getting caught up with what society, what culture, what the media is trying to do to us, pick a side. If I was to say all the Fox News people raise your hand, all the CNN people raise your hand, then we'd see, I mean, because that's what's happening right now, right? Like there, there's different ideologies, there's different narratives, and we have to realize that and understand. I'm not saying don't be a part of it. We have to know what's going on. We have to know what's happening. I watch both, I watch, I watch all of the news. One day I'll watch CNN, one day I'll watch Fox. I get good stuff from both of them, and sometimes I get stuff that makes me go, ah, don't like that. But that's not, that's not my world. I'm in this world, but not of this world. I mean, the media is trying to divide us and distract us. Why do they do it? It's for money. There's big ratings, there's big money in racism. That's just, now, I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist, because it does. But you see this, even our, even our movie stars are now starting to say this stuff. Denzel Washington. I was expecting some of the, um, my um, brown sisters to go, oh, or amen, when I said Denzel Washington. I'm just saying, you know, usually what a brother gets, Denzel Washington. Amen, brother. You know? <laughs> oh, wait, I, I'm, I, I digress. But even he said, he's like, hey, if you want to, like, it, what, what the news should say is, you know, unarmed person was shot by the police. Or this person, that we, we, why do you think they say it for a reason? White police officer shoots black man. The media is doing what they're supposed to do. I expect non-Christians to do what non-Christians do. I just don't expect us Christians to respond the way that we do. I mean, you look at politicians. They use race to, to get votes. I mean, it, it just is what it is. 
I'm not saying that we shouldn't vote because I think it's our civic duty. We should engage. We, we're taught, in the, by the word, to engage in our civic responsibilities. We need to pay taxes. If the military had a draft and, and you're of that age, you should go and serve. I, this is my belief. If you don't believe that way, that's cool. Let's have a conversation about it. Don't defriend a brother, you know what I'm saying? It doesn't need to go that far, do we? But, you know, but, you know politicians are using it to stir up different things. And, and here's the thing. There's stuff that we need to talk about. There are things that we need to talk about. Can we have discussions civilly? And here's the thing. Even if you and I disagree on an issue, aren't we still brothers and sisters in Christ? There's nothing that breaks God's heart more than to see his children fighting and and getting distracted from the mission. There's things that we need to talk about. You know, when you think about church, you guys would be wise to have discussions about what's the best way to do outreach. Where should we go? Like, how much, what's our budget going to be on here? You know, even things like how should we bring people into the church parking lot and their cars? And, and what about seating? And, and what about temperature? And what kind of, those are things that we definitely need to talk about. But should they divide us? Should it distract us? Well, I don't like that. You have the temperature set at 74. I want it to be at 72, so I'm not coming back to that church. I mean, should those things, and just like even in our culture right now, there's things that we need to talk about. We need to talk about the way that police, um, some of their policies and practices towards minority communities. That's worth a conversation. I've worked in St. Louis in the midst of it. That's the first time my eyes were open to a lot of the stuff that was going on. There's conversations that need to be had. But at the end of the day, I know that if you have Christ in you, if you're a believer, we can have a discussion and not be divided. And even if we disagree, can we come together and can we just disagree civilly? The devil, he continues to use racism to divide us because it's an effective strategy. He's trying to destroy our unity. He doesn't want us to march forward and spread the gospel. I say this, the church has to rise above this and say, no more. No more. We're not going to allow the devil to distract us from our from our mission, which is to spread the gospel. We need to have conversations. We need to talk about a lot of these things, the the offensive things. We need to talk about, you know, things like, you know, systemic racism. We need to talk about things like microaggressions. We need to, we need to educate people, but we have to have it in room and in a space where people can, can disagree or not know and still not be labeled or called a racist. I know white people are scared to death of being called a racist. That's why they're just like, I ain't saying nothing. White people just, that's what a lot of white people are doing. And then other white people are to this point. I'm tired of this stuff. Uh, I'll say whatever I want to say. Y'all people, and then it's just such a, we got, we have some extremists going on. Can we have people that are like seeking after the Lord and, and saying, God, what do you want me to say on this? In the midst of the craziness going on, in the midst of fear, anxiety, and hatred, and, and all the darkness, can you Teach me, Lord, this is what our, can you show me what you want me to say, what you want me to believe, how you want me to act? That's what Christians need to be doing. We have to say enough. We are the ones that have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we know that he wants us to speak with love. We're the ones who can speak the truth in the midst of the darkness. Christians, I'm talking to you. We're the ones who should be facilitating needed discussion to bring about unity, peace, and forgiveness. Forgiveness has to happen. I, I, I think about this when um, a couple years ago when Angie and I 
Um, we'd been married, I don't know, maybe eight or ten years, and Roots, the miniseries, came on on TV. I was mad at her for a week, didn't want to talk to her. Just keep it real. I'm like, leave me alone, white lady. You see what your people did to my people. I mean, and you know, and it wasn't Angie. But like, it, it's like that. what happens is because of racism and because of the hatred and the hate and all the, the atrocities, it riles up our feelings, our emotions. And we have to get to the point to where we can't let that stuff stop us from having communication and fellowship so that we can go out and do what our mission is, which is to come together and spread the gospel. The imagery I get is like, you know, we right now, the church is at a point, we're like little kittens that are playing with a little ball of yarn in the middle of the floor and just being preoccupied by just this fight and racism. And all along, people are dying and going to hell all around us, but we're just playing with this little ball of yarn. And the devil's going, <laughs> I got him distracted. Enough, enough, enough. Conversations need to happen. Healing, forgiveness, peace, love, unity. Those are things that we can work through. But you all here, especially at Cedar Valley, you're blessed. You have a leader that's willing to have these discussions, that's willing to have these needed conversations. Can I just say this? Trust his heart. I've had some conversations with Pastor Neil, and he readily admits, hey, I don't know all the stuff. I don't have all the answers. But he's willing to learn. He's willing to grow. He's willing to be teachable. Being teachable means that you're willing to learn things that you thought you already knew. Are you willing to be teachable? Are you willing to learn? I wanna to talk to your head today because we need to unite our hearts and get the heart of Christ so that we can share that with people. We're not gonna argue anyone into the kingdom of Christ. We're not going to. And again, I know that you have views on stuff. I do too. And let's talk about some of those things, but maybe, maybe part of it is gonna be, hey, we just, uh, we just disagree. But let's go over here and introduce people to Jesus. We need more people that are, that are Christians, giving their family members in the body of Christ the benefit of the doubt. That's what I see. We gotta get our hearts right. I wanna to talk to your head today. And, and, and this is a limited time, I, I, this is, I, realistically. There's so much more that I want to help train you on. I really need you to get this book. And, you know, yeah, we sell it because that's what we do. This is how we make our living. But if you can't afford it, you just come back there and say, hey, I'd like one. I can't afford it. We'll give you a book. I mean, people pay for it all the time. We need you to have the tools and the resources so that you can understand the heart of God on this thing. Recently, I think this Monday, it's coming out on audiobook. You can go to Amazon or Audible. You can get an audiobook for all you that don't like to read. Don't raise your hand if I say if you don't like to read. Don't indict yourself, you know what I'm saying? But if you prefer, get it on Audible. But you need these tools and these resources. God is calling us to go and to help the church, Christian people, get on the same page with this situation. I'm going to leave you with this story of a really bad neighbor. When Angie and I lived in Florida, we had moved there and we were part of ministry and we come from a, a very, you know, black and white, you know, city. That's Macomb, Illinois. We grew up. I wasn't around a lot of different other ethnicities and, and stuff. And so we move into this neighborhood and it's an older white neighborhood and we we're pastoring down in Florida. And um, so I hear some of you guys are know Fort Myers, Florida. We live there in Fort Myers. Any snowbirds come over? We were on staff with Pastor Dan Betzer down there. And, um, and so we move into this neighborhood and we're on a corner and right across from us is this older white dude. 
I mean, he's like an older, you know, silver hair, white dude. And the first couple times I go out, I'm trying to be nice to him. I'm like, hey man, how you doing? You know, just smiling, whatever. And he just like, just give me that look. I'm like, oh. So the next time I do that and, and you know, hey, how you doing? He's like, maybe just give me one of those, whatever. And so I immediately thought, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. He knows I'm married to a white woman. We got young kids. This brother's prejudiced. He doesn't like black people. He definitely doesn't like that a black man married a white woman. And he probably doesn't like our kids. And, and, I'm, and, all this, and I know, I've pictured him. I've met, and then so as time goes by, we've been there for a couple months. I'm like, I'm not even saying hi to him anymore. He doesn't say hi to me. I'm not saying hi to him. He lives right across the street from me. And one year goes by. Two years go by. And Pastor Neil, I'm embarrassed of this. About year three, I started to read this book by Bill Hybels, and it's called Just Walk Across the Room. It talks about personal evangelism, how we need to, even as pastors, I give altar calls all the time, how I should be making sure that I'm building relationships with people so I can spread the gospel to them. So I start doing prayer walks around my neighborhood. I'm walking all around my neighborhood and I'm praying for people. Lord, that person, give them, save them. Lord, that person was nice to me. Lord, touch their hearts. Lord, I know these people over here, they're, they're kind. And Lord, touch them over there. And, and I'm walking all around my And Lord, I just pray that you save that person and, and get them. And Lord, and, and I walk right past this house. Wouldn't even pray for salvation because I knew he's racist. Just knew it. So another year goes by. Now we're here for five years and all of a sudden I start to see that he just drops some weight and he just starts to drop weight and he was a chain smoker and, and you know, yeah, you know, and I saw him drop weight and, and months before this, we had just buried my grandmother who raised me. She died of cancer and I, and I just knew the Holy Spirit put it in my heart. He's got cancer. He doesn't have long to live. Go talk to him. That's what the Holy Spirit said. And I'm arguing with the Holy Spirit. No. I ain't doing it. Send somebody else. I, he's a racist dude. You know, he doesn't, ever, he doesn't like me and I don't like him. And the Holy Spirit says, go talk to him. No, not going to do it. And, I, and I'm just continuing on with my prayer walks around my neighborhood. Lord, save them. Save that neighbor, Lord. Touch their hearts, Lord. Do something great in them, Lord. Give me an opportunity to minister to them, Lord. I just pray for him and I say him and I walk by that house. So finally, the Holy Spirit says to me one day, he says, Alex, go over there. Are you going to obey me or not? So I said, fine. And I go over there. There's one night I was putting out my garbage and he's out in his garage just late at night. And I start to just walk over to his yard and I'm like, hey, how you doing? He's like, fine. And, and I just brought it up. I'm like, hey, man, I noticed that you lost a lot of weight. You know, what's going on? And I knew it already. And he said it, cancer. And I knew it. And then now I feel like a biggest jerk ever. It's been five years and I'm not even said anything until this guy's got cancer. So I'm like, well, you know, hey, I'm a pastor in case you didn't know, maybe I can pray for you. And he's like, I know. <laughs> Talk about feel like the biggest jerk. I'm like the worst pastor ever at this point. But he's gracious towards me. And I said, hey, you mind if I pray for you? Please do. And I prayed for him. And I left there that night and I went across the street and back to my house and the Holy Spirit was just in my heart and my mind. And I realized there was only one bad neighbor. That was me because I just presumed that because he's an older white dude, he fit the bill and, and he just wasn't the most talkative person. I just knew he was racist, that he didn't like black people marrying white women with their little mixed kids. And, and so for five years, I didn't go and talk to this man to share what I had in my heart with this man. 
And church, I'd love to tell you that over the next couple of weeks, I was able to pray for him and introduce him to Jesus, but I wasn't. I went back and talked to him a couple more times, but I don't know if Skip entered into eternity knowing Jesus or not. That's what's happening now. Too many of us are bad neighbors because racism. We're upset, we're frustrated, we're, we have pain. Been on both sides, on both sides. My white brothers and sisters, you guys are tired of being accused and, and you just don't understand some things and, and you feel like you're being attacked, like you're the way of life. You're co- and it's not even this. I'm not saying that, that your whole way of life, because I know you're not racist. I don't believe that the majority of people are racist in America. I believe that some of our systems, we have to talk about those things. Let's have some discussions and, and you're tired of being presumed upon and you're tired of walking around on eggshells and, and, and feeling like you can't say anything. I get it. And then to my black and brown brothers and sisters, I know what it's like to be the only black kid in my whole school and to have little white kids coming up to you and touching your hair and going, ooh, that's gross. And knowing how I felt about it. I know these things, like I get it. When I see like my son who asks me when he's in eighth grade, dad, do I have to worry about being killed by the police? You can't argue to me whether it's real or not because my son is afraid of it. And so perception is reality and I want to talk about it. And I'm sorry if I get a little bit emotional, but when I saw George Floyd laying there on the ground, and I know you felt it too, and I'm not even going to say a word whether it's killed or murdered or executed because the devil likes to just snap us into a fight with a little word like that. But regardless, a man lost his life and, and I'm not even trying to say that he was the best angel. I don't know. I never knew the man. Whether he was guilty or not, no one deserves to die that way. And so my heart went out because I'm like, that could be me. And when I saw Dante Wright lose his life just this past week, a little mixed kid who's 20 years old, I thought about my son, Trey, who's at Mizzou studying right now, and I know he's frustrated with the police. And I have to call him that night. I'm like, Trey, I understand your frustration, but you better If a police stops you, you just do what they say, do you comply? You say, yes, sir, no, sir, 10 and two. You don't go into your glove compartment unless you ask. I had to tell him this. And you can argue all day. We can have these discussions of, is it a narrative or not? It's my reality and I wanna talk about it. And as Christian brothers and sisters, I'm asking you, can we have a space to discuss? And I have a positive view of police. Some of your black and brown Christian brothers and sisters don't. We got to get our hearts right on this. We got to get our hearts right. We have to get our hearts right because we have to go and lead. We have to lead to reconciliation. We have to lead because the devil wants to just keep stirring us up so he can keep dividing us. And God's saying, I want to bring healing. And he wants to bring it through you and through me. Would you let me pray for you? Just bow your heads. Lord, I just thank you so much for these people here, Lord. Thank you for this time, Lord, that we get to come and just study your word, Lord. God, I pray that our hearts are just where you want them to be, Lord. God, I pray that our hearts as Christians are the hearts that you want us to have, Lord. God, we love you. God, you are the one that we, we seek after. You have chosen us. You love us and you want to work in and through us. And I pray that our hearts are ready, Lord. Take our hearts. We offer them to you in Jesus' name.